I think you have to have an interest in something to, and again, I'm talking more about not being an entrepreneur, but being an account exec. You have to be, you have to have a genuine interest in what it is that you're representing and what you're selling to sell it every day. If you love paper products, right, go sell them, right? Go get a job at Dunder Mifflin, right? If that's what you like to do. If you like cloud computing, right, go see Microsoft and, and work on their Azure team or AWS. Um, if you like cars, go sell cars and work your way up to running a dealership and owning one or maybe two, right? The, the key for me was, number one, like what you do, right? Um, doesn't mean you have to like the job every day, right? But but you like what you're doing in general. Um, and two, um, I think it, it, it's key to to work a lot when it doesn't interfere with your relationships and your family. And one of the things being an account executive has done for me is I could work a lot. I mean, student works, right? I, I was living by myself. I could do whatever I want seven days a week for the job. And, and that's why we did so well. Um, when When you're young, Go out and work and, and build the experience and get some success notches under your belt. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I'm really excited to be bringing to you Brian Speck. Brian has had an enormously successful sales career. He was a uh, rookie operator of the year with the Student Works Management Program uh, back in the day. Uh, he uh, tells stories about uh, working with uh, one of uh, one of uh, the world's really most successful companies at the time. Their stock was doubling year over year over year for a number of, uh, of years in a row. Um, uh, uh, a company called Dell in the uh, uh, personal computer business, and they moved into other uh, computer-related organizations. He talks about the, the the power of confidence and really building on the confidence that he had um, learned and gained through the Student Works program um, in, early in his career, and how that's built. Um, Further and further on, he shares about an experience with Microsoft where he's been the last three years uh, as well. And I just know you're going to love uh, our, my conversation this evening with Brian Speck. Um, and we are right in the middle of our recruiting season. And if you know a young leader, uh, I would love for you to send them our way. I would love if you could send them to uh, my email at Chris at podcastleaders.ca. And um, I would love, David, I, I blew that. So, because um, I gave the uh, the wrong email. So, so I'll do that again. I would love if you could send them my way at chris at leaderspodcast.ca or send them to our website at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Really enjoy this podcast. Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining me today and uh, making time out of your crazy schedule. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. It's uh, nice to talk to you again. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And it's great, great to get reconnected. And I just love, uh, I love LinkedIn. I love social media for that aspect. Um, you know, it's been a long time since, since we were able to, you know, sort of connect, uh, connect personally. And, and that can be distance, et cetera. But at least it's great to have a conversation. Yeah, right on. So, uh, so, so, Brian, uh, tell me wh what you were like before getting started with our program. Oh, uh, before 
student works. Well, I grew up in a rural area, um, you know, dirt bikes in the summer, skidoos and hockey in the wintertime and no right. real idea of what I was going to do after high school, but I kind of knew I needed to get into college and, and, uh, for money, um, I, I pulled a lawnmower around on the back of my bicycle every summer. So I really didn't have any money, money issues. Um, so it was great. You know, I could right. buy what I needed and stuff. And I went, I went to university, um, didn't really know what I wanted to do, but languages were easy. So I, I enrolled in a program called linguistics. So it was just easy. It's something I could get in and out doing without too much effort. Um, and kind of really didn't have much direction. So probably similar right. to some folks that may be listening to the podcast tonight, if they're yeah. uh, you know, young adults, young men, young women, trying to figure out what they want to do. Exactly, exactly. And so that's, and that's where you were, um, you know, back, back in the day. And if you think back, you know, and I know sometimes it can be tough, but what was your biggest frustration as a, as a teenager? <laughs> Um, besides trying to get a girlfriend, you mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. Think, uh, we'll leave that one aside. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I did eventually get married, so I'm good there. Um, from a, I guess from a teenager perspective, I, I knew a lot of people in high school, um, you know, there are lots of groups and cliques and stuff like that. And I didn't really belong to any one group. You know, I kind of knew everybody. I would bounce around between groups, but I really didn't fit in to one specific group. I wasn't really tight with all of them. And, and kind of when I, when I look back at student works, I thought that was really cool because when you get into student works, you're, you're kind of in the club, right? And, and people share the same mindset and the same desires to do well. And, and you're hanging with, you know, the kids who are actually going to, you know, for the most part, go somewhere in life. Right. So so it was kind of frustrating in high school, not really fitting in with one particular group, but uh, it was a nice uh, experience to get into student works and kind of getting with a group of people that I actually liked to hang with and had a lot in common with personally. Yeah, that's interesting, uh, Brian. We just got back from our top performer trip, and that's something that I that that really sort of stands out to me more and more is is that is that a lot of our operators are kind of again, you know, unique. You know, they're they they just you know sometimes again they don't really fit. Like I know I found myself I was I was a I was an athlete, but I was also interested in school. I was also interested in in uh, you know a, a bunch of things, and I never and I and I didn't feel like I fit in one specific spot either. So, so that's, that's kind of, that's kind of neat. Um, now, now that I, I, I see that reflected. Um, and so, so if you think back on the program, Brian, what, what do you still rely on? Oh, now you're, you're really pushing the limits of my memory here. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> um, um, I think that the easiest thing is I, I still rely on the confidence that I've built. Right. And, um, but what I mean by that is, uh, you know, if, if you, you know, as a young, young man or young woman, you know, listening to this podcast, thinking about getting into student works and running your own business, the, the practice of doing something outside of your comfort zone, right, gives you experience, but also confidence that you can do new things, right? Like, for example, um, I don't know if you remember, in my third year of college, I actually went to Quebec City. And so during this, that. I, yeah, so I bought a book of bus tickets. <laughs> and every other weekend, I was on a Friday midnight bus coming into Toronto Saturday morning and then taking the bus up to where I live. And I'd be home for three days because I didn't have class on Monday. Uh, and, right. I would, and I would be coming back and forth from about the beginning of February through the beginning of May to either book jobs or to find painters, uh, help get them trained, 
and at least you know get a couple works a couple weeks worth of uh, worth of jobs booked up for them. Um, that that was a little difficult, and it was it was really risky, I think, for me to make the decision to do the manager role because you know I didn't have a lot of money, and I had to go about six thousand bucks in debt at the beginning of the summer. I had to buy a car, I'd buy the painting gear and equipment, and rent an apartment in the territory, right? Because I needed to live where I was painting. Um, so it was it was pretty risky for me, right? And and uh, and I was just living with my mom at the time, um, so I needed to make sure sure i had some cash and it would have been a heck of a lot easier just to paint because i painted the previous summer i could have just painted right. and paycheck home and you know come back to school uh, but really out of out of my comfort zone uh, i wasn't <laughs> going to miss my fourth year of college uh, so fast forward to the end of summer right i had a nice wad of cash in the bank uh, i had one yeah. of those big silver cups that you guys gave out i don't know if you still do that for rookie manager of the year i was uh, yes. drinking out of that with andrew uh, andrew Britton. At the, uh, yes. at the party, great guy. And uh, but I was going to say, but more importantly than you know the cup and the cash and all that kind of stuff, the experience right of doing that gave me this confidence that I could go back on and draw on any time I want. So when, if I was walking into a, a job interview, or if I was going in for a, you know a sales presentation, right? I know I've already been finding customers, selling them, hiring and training people, managing schedules, delivering good quality projects. I could go back in my memory and use that to boost myself up anytime I wanted. So the, yeah. the thing that I rely on the most from the Student Works program, and, and hopefully what your listeners will pick up on, is, is go get some confidence. And it doesn't matter, even if you take a job somewhere, not here or elsewhere, if you fail, you still learn something from it, right? You may not get a lot of money, but yeah. building this confidence, um, it, you can do some amazing things. Yeah. And it really shows as well, just that, that, that that's extraordinary in terms of the level of, 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 of commitment that you had, um, you know, just cause usually, usually yes, people need to buy equipment and a car, or sometimes they need to buy a car. Sometimes they can borrow a car, uh, or, or use a family car. But, you know, on top of that rent, that's a very unique situation. And on the other hand, I guess, you know, you just had you had some confidence or, or was able to take some risk to, to go and do that. And obviously you proved you proved your way. Right. And, and you got their great results, which was which was awesome. So um, so so coming out of the program, you graduated from the University of Toronto. Um, you know, what, what, what was the what was the next spot you went to? <laughs> well, uh, graduating in linguistics, I wouldn't recommend unless you wanted to stay in the <laughs> educational system. Um, it's not yeah. a very practical degree, right? Um, but I did, I did get a job in junior sales, and it was, mm -hmm. it was actually pretty easy to get the job, right? Uh, and to get through the interview because you know after knocking on doors and dealing with you know so many customers uh, over the, the summer, you you were really good at doing that. Um, so it really helped just with the interview. Uh, process. Yes. Um, so that was neat. And then um, after a while uh, this, in the junior sales role, I wanted to get into something technical, right? And, you know, this is a while ago, right? So we were moving into, you know, moving off of mainframes into distributed computing and the big PC era, right? And Dell and all these other big names were out there at the time. Uh, so I wanted to do something in, in, in computers and in, in technology. And so I, I managed to get a job uh, at Dell. Uh, and the, the first job I had was uh, inside sales. And then right. I spent seven years at the company 
a couple of years inside sales, a couple of years as the inside sales manager, just hiring and training people so that they got plucked out of my organization onto bigger jobs and I'd keep backfilling them. And then eventually I just wanted to get to an outside sales position. That was really my goal uh, where I could right. run my own schedule and stuff. And then from there, uh, I went to a software development tool company. I spent seven years there again. Uh, then I went to an, another app dev and app quality company. I spent another seven years. So you start looking at all these sevens, right? And <laughs> I think it was uh, it, it's nice to be able to not jump around as much as maybe you know people do today. You know, two three years is pretty much the norm, at least in, in the right. Sevens. And so, what what would you say, Brian? Like, just in terms of, and just to sort of um, share, like you know, really where Brian went, Dell. Dell was one of the fastest growing companies in the world at that point. They really were leading edge. And those types of jobs were really, really highly prized. Um, and and you really excelled in that in that space. Um, and, and certainly in, in a career, choosing where to go is pretty important. Wouldn't you say, like looking back on your careers and some of the choices that you made, you know, would would the location be pretty pretty significant in, in making those, uh, uh, you know, where, where you're going to sell, what products you're going to sell? Uh, absolutely, yes. I mean, you can be the best salesperson, saleswoman, salesman on the road. Uh, and uh, if you don't have something that satisfies somebody's pain, it's a heck of yes. a slug. I've learned that firsthand. So it is important to pick where you go. Um, I haven't always relied on a, having a big logo on my business card. In order to make money, um, I don't think that's as important. But the the solution and the market appetite are definitely important. I mean, you think about Dell, right? Um, you know, maybe you know a lot of young men and women listening haven't heard much about Dell, but in in its heyday, right, they had a direct sales model instead of buying machines or PCs and laptops through the channel. So they had a huge right. margin advantage, and honestly, their stock was splitting at least once a year, right? So being my first major job in my career, I thought that was the norm. I thought every company's stocks split every year. <laughs> it's kind of a rude awakening when I left and went somewhere else. I was like, what? You, your stock doesn't split every year? <laughs> um, I, and, yes. And there was, and, and, and there were, there were, uh, you know, for our young listeners, there were stock options at that point. So this, this, this company was really growing and really moving forward. So, so yeah, there was a, you there know, was a pretty, there's a pretty sick joke internally. At Dell, right. we, sometimes we would get 500 options as a bonus, right? An option just means you're, you know, you you can vest the option at a certain period of time, and you get the difference between the vested price and the current price. And uh, if people held on to those options for four years, uh, some people took the profit and went out and bought a small yacht. It was literally that nuts. Yeah, unfortunately wow. for me, I was one who I was selling my options and. <laughs> <laughs> a little earlier than four years. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And in, in, in hindsight, in hindsight, um, we're always smarter. So, so certainly I was as well, or I would have been. So tell me about, you, you know, uh, your, your second role and what, what you were doing and the, you know, the, the keys to why that company was successful, et cetera. Uh, second role at, at Dell, you mean, or my other jobs? No, at, at your other jobs, because I know oh, sure, you moved, yeah. oh, sorry, to Borland, to Borland, you moved to Borland. Yeah. Yep. So Borland was in Markham, and then I actually moved to the U.S. with them after the second or third year. Uh, again, it was uh, direct sales. It's something that I wanted to do. Um, and, and I think, you know, if I were graduating college again, you really just got to sit back and think, what do you want to do? 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, and it doesn't have to be what, what, do, what is it that you want to sell, or what do you want to build, right? Or what kind of service do I right. offer? But what, what do you want to do? I wanted to be a rep on the road. I wanted to own my own schedule. I wanted to have my own customers, and that—that's kind of what I wanted to do. And so when I went to Borland, right, the reason I went there is because they gave me the opportunity to run my own patch, run my own set of customers, and it's kind of like running your own business without a lot of the risk. And that's what Student Works does, right? For 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 people in the summertime, is you can run your own business, but you've got Student Works backing you up, marketing. Uh, support, legal support, if you need it, payroll support, I mean, right. training support, materials, all that stuff is, is great. And that, I kind of equate that to being a rep, that I, an account yeah. executive that I'm in the field now. You've got the support of the mothership, but you're out here <clears> running <throat> your own business, right, with uncapped uh, earning potential. Right. Yeah, no, because because really, in many ways, that that's exactly uh, what I've always felt is is that someone in your role really is a lot like running their own business, you know, and and that that uh, you know, and you don't have to figure out the model. This model is working, or if it's not working, well, let's go find another another sales organization. Because because Brian, I'm sure by that point in your life, you knew you could sell. There's no question about that, right? You know, you know, you can you can sell. Um, so Brian, when you jump, when you move from organization to organization, one of the things you were talking about is is your own clients. Were you actually able to sort of, you know, talk to those old clients when you went to other organizations, or or, or did they give you new clients and and you didn't you didn't work with those other clients? Yeah, obviously, moving from from Dell to Borland was a a, a very different uh, type of very sales. different clients. So, yeah, talking hardware versus software development, and then again, moving from Canada down to the U.S. You know, a different patch completely, right? Um, and I found, right. uh, I found, you know, because I, I, even in the same company, right, we've had territory realignments, which are common. Right. I don't rely on a set of customers to make my money. And if you can get over that mental hurdle, right, then then you'll be all right. Because I found even switching, you know, from an app dev company to a mobile app dev company, sure, you can get some referrals, but the chances of them buying from you just because they know you, those days are gone. Right, you have to come still prepared with a value proposition, right? Something that makes business sense for them, kind of hits them emotionally or personally, you know, or from a personal career perspective. But, but no, right. I, I really don't find that you know people buy from a rep just because they bought from them before. Hey, leaders! I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Since we started this podcast, every person you've heard from has been one of the incredible alumni of the Student Works Management Program. In large part, that's how I got to meet these amazing people and participate in their development. Starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast, interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down the path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. Now back to the episode. 
what do you think the keys are now to, to, to selling? What's, what's, you know, especially selling, selling in this, you know, uh, in, to these major organizations, because obviously you're, you're selling into, you know, a lot of big organizations. What do you think the keys are, Brian? Um, well, I think if you've gone through student works, you're already probably in the top 10% of the people of your age. <laughs> because a lot of people don't do this, right? So you've got that experience, you've got that confidence. So going through and doing something like this, right? Running your own business at an early age is, is just phenomenal. But going through this, you'll, you'll be good at anything if you get through student works. Um, I think you have to have an interest in something to, and again, I'm talking more about not being an entrepreneur, but being an account exec. You have to be you have to have a genuine interest in what it is that you're representing and what you're selling to sell it every day. If you love paper products, right, go sell them, right? Go get a job at Dunder Mifflin, right? If that's what you like to do. If you like cloud computing, right, go see Microsoft and, and work on their Azure team or AWS. Um, if you like cars, go sell cars and work your way up to running a dealership and owning one or maybe two, right? Right. The, the key for me was, number one, like what you do, right? Um, doesn't mean you have to like the job every day, right? But, right. but you like what you're doing in general. Um, and two, um, I think it, it, it's key to to work a lot when it doesn't interfere with your relationships and your family. And one of the things being an account executive has done for me is I could work a lot. I mean, student works, right? I I was living by myself. I could do whatever I want seven days a week for the job, and, and that's why we did so well. Um, when you when you're young. Go out and work and, and build the experience and get some success notches under your belt. But then when I started having kids, right, I never wanted yeah. to work more than 50 hours a week. And I never yeah. wanted to to have amazing airline status, right? <laughs> yes, if I, if I did, that, I was that is such a con. That's for our young leaders. You know, a lot of times I remember going, going and looking, wow, look, that person's super elite. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> no, it's horrible it means you're on the plane all the time it's awful <laughs> well now again it, it depends right like so so my son he's already out and doing that kind of thing and for the first two yeah. or three years it's exciting it's fun he loves it yes, he's for sure. right but i think one of the secrets to success or, or something that i've enjoyed is if you can run your own schedule and you can make sure that you've got an adequate work-life balance you're not going to burn out because i've seen people burn out already right like they're they're not doing what they used to do or what I'm still doing now. Right? Right. They don't, they don't have the patience. They don't have the aptitude to keep learning. Right. And, and they don't have the aptitude or ability to keep up with the change in the organizations that they're working for. That's right. Don't burn out. And especially do not sacrifice your family time for a job. Right. If you're working 80 hours a week and you have kids, that's a tough trade off. Yes, it certainly is. And actually, that's really interesting as well. I, I, I'm looking at all the different, you know, roles that you've had in different organizations that you worked with. Like, what, do you, what how have you, you know, stayed on top of all the changes and, 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 and all the learning, et cetera, you know, the technical learning, uh, Brian? Yeah, um, it's getting more challenging every year because the pace of change is accelerating, as you know, especially with uh, cloud computing and Cloud native. Yes. So, um, luckily uh, for those of us in the field, right? Technology is phenomenal, uh, and so upskilling is a major part of our MBOs, right? So, yes, I'm paid predominantly on uh, you know base plus commission, but I do have some MBO bonuses to hit, and a lot of that has to do with keeping up with your training. So, they'll send you 
you know, hours of training. Maybe they're only 15 minute sessions of training, but it's very easy now to get on the, you know, the, 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 the corporate intranet and, and just see what required training is delivered to you this month, right? Because, you know, we've got new product launches coming up. So we're getting videos of the product managers teaching us about the new things, how to pitch it, some competitive information. So it's actually coming at us as opposed to us having to go out and research it. So it kind of, you know, even though it's accelerating, it's actually easier because it, we don't have to go hunt for it. Right, right. And my, my sense is you enjoy it too. Is, is that accurate? Like there's just, there, you know, there's, there's seems to be a passion or an interest around technology, Brian. You have to. I mean, if, if you don't, it's like being a developer. I'm, I'm not a software developer, right? Even though I work right. with development teams. If, if a software developer stops learning the new stuff, right, they are not going to be in demand a year from now. It's right. just changing yeah. that quickly. And so I think if, if you're constantly learning, then you have a competitive advantage, period, whether you work at this company or at another company, it doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. And you really, yeah. And that's something as well. You really need to see your, your, you know, when you graduate from university or college, it's, it's, you're learning more and more and more, or, you know, you, you, you know, the opportunities for yourself are just going to get limited and limited. And Yeah. I think, but well, I think it gets better as you get out of college <laughs> because at least in the real world, you're learning relevant things. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and something that can make you money. <laughs> you took you took languages, I took history. So uh so yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're both in the same boat. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So so I know you worked, you know, for the big brand Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, obviously one of the most successful businesses in the world. How was that? You know, like, you know, what what was that like working with an enormous organization like that? Or was it kind um, of a small Yeah, it's really big. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. there are 130,000 employees or something. So uh, a lot of process, you, you basically have to fit in. And the, the biggest challenge for me working in a home office remotely is networking because in order right. to get, in order to get different jobs, right. And, and Microsoft is very, I wouldn't say incestuous, but you know, once you're there, they, they're open and they want to promote movement within. So when you tell your right. manager, hey, I'd like to apply for this other job at Microsoft, they're like, yeah, great. You know, here's what it's all about. And, you know, have that new manager call me if they want. Um, so it, they really promote moving around internally. Um, but uh, without the ability to network, right, it's really tough to get the inside track on positions because they move quickly. So ne networking in a big company is, is really difficult when you're working remote. Working, but but you but the and what's the advantage for our young listeners of working remotely? Oh, at uh, quality of life, right? Because when you're working remotely, you typically you, you may have people reporting to you, right? If you want to be a sales director or a sales VP right. field, right? Uh, I'm not. I chose not to, to take that path. But working remotely, uh, number one, you know, if I had to drive to most offices here in the Atlanta area. It's about an hour each way, right? So that's 40 to right. 50 hours of time <laughs> that I'm saving by working remotely. So I, can, I can be more responsive to my customers. I can get my training done on time and, and, and just be generally more productive by you know, having an extra week a month. Uh, right. But it's also a lifestyle. You're not stressed out getting into the office. You're not late for meetings. You know, you know, maybe there's a cost benefit as well. But um, any job, I've been working remotely now over... 22 years and I probably never will go back into an office. <laughs> it's, right. it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I feel the I feel the same way. It really, there really are some real big benefits. So, so Brian, what have been your biggest, you know, failures or mistakes? Oh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll, you know, we, we we'll, keep, we'll keep it reasonably tight. <laughs> so, well, I've, I've got one, and it'll probably happen to everybody uh, who's listening on this call if it hasn't already. But um, so I, I I had a pretty good stint at a company for seven years. Uh, it was a startup. Uh, we got acquired at the four-year mark, right? So I stayed on for an extra three years for a total of seven. Um, the right. same executive team, right? kind of left all around the two to three year mark. And most of them ended up at another small startup. And right. they called me and they said, Hey, Brian, you need to come over here. This thing's really cool. We're going to do it again. So without even thinking about it, I was like, yep, send me the offer letter. Let's sign it. and We'll get it done. Um, fast forward about a year uh, out of the six reps they hired for the U S I was the only one left. <laughs> um, I think the biggest mistake I made here and the big failure, which put a dent in the pocketbook as well, is, is, you know, yes, you trust the people, you love working with them. They were great people. They still are great people, but the product was amazing, but it didn't have a market yet. And so my failure was emotionally jumping in the job because I thought we were going to do it again without really taking a step back and looking at the market looking at the competitors, actually looking to see how big the competitors were in the space. And if they're growing, because it's smart, if, you know, if you're going to a startup, uh, which I would highly recommend uh, if you find one that, that suits you, um, if you know you want them to be growing at 50% or more a year, right? Maybe even doubling right. a year. And, and th these were certainly not, all of the companies in this space were not. And you know, hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done it again. But that was, that was a pretty big mistake on my part. But hey, I still walked away learning uh, a new space, uh, getting some experience in the new space, made a whole bunch of new contacts, and and uh, that was it. Exactly. And, 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 you know, certainly my experience as well is very few people go through their careers not feeling like, oh, here was a mistake. There was an error. There was something, you know, and I certainly got a, a long, a, lo a long list as well. Uh, so, so I, I, I get you. I and again, it's how do I reframe <laughs> it? Sorry. I don't believe you. Ah, that's another podcast. I'll, I'll send it to you when, when I when I dig into that one. Um, so, um, so, so, Brian, if someone was uh, considering venturing out into the entrepreneurial world, what advice would you give them? If they were entering the entrepreneur world, um, do it. Um, if you don't have a wife and three kids. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and can afford the risk. And, you know, that's honest. Right. Um, but I think if, if you do it and you win, that's great. Keep at it. Keep going. Um, if you do it and you don't win, that's also okay because you go do something else and take what you've learned with you. So I, I would not hesitate to do it again. In fact, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to be doing a few years from now. Uh, when I want right. to exit the technology space and in something entrepreneurial, absolutely, it's uh, it's time. It's time. Okay, great, great. Um, and uh, um, as as you went from like a teenager, university student to uh, you know a value creator in the world, and and uh, you know creating the t the type of success that you did, what did you have to change about yourself, Brian? Oh. From a teenager to, I mean, besides getting up in the morning, 
Yes, exactly, exactly. But I know you already were, you know, moving your uh, moving your uh, lawnmower around, making money. Yeah. So yeah, well, I, was, I was getting up. I was getting up in the morning with paint crews that summer. I'll tell you that. Um, I I can't really think a, a lot had to change, honestly. I mean, you know, okay. you're, you're continually learning in university, right? And we've already mentioned that. I'm I'm still doing that now, and and I want to, and you have. To. Um, right. It wasn't. It wasn't as scary going into the full time world as I thought it was going to be. Um, maybe. Maybe it's because you know I was going into sales, but you know if I was leaving university and going to work in a regulated regulated industry like um, you know medical or pharma or you know maybe even law or something like that, that may right. have been a really big um, you know change that I would have had to undertake. But I honestly didn't. And 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 you know. I think <laughs> all these years have gone by. I feel like I could jump back into student works and run another few paint crews. It'd be a lot of fun. I, well, I, 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 we loved you. We love you back, uh, Brian. So, and I definitely, I definitely feel that way. I know, I know quite a common, quite a common feeling actually is, is um, operators will sort of, or sorry, alumni will, will, will sort of look back and go, you know, I know no matter what, I can always go run some paint crews and, 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 you know, feed the family and do okay. And, you know, not, not that they want to, but, uh, but the, there's that feeling of security, you know, I, I can go run a business. So, um, but, but, you know, and, and, and the reality is, is because again, you've got, you know, the, the, the one cool thing about that, the industry is it really doesn't change that much in terms of technology. It's not the same as your organization, we're constantly changing new technology, new technology. So, but if Brian, if someone wanted to do what you do, what key habits would they have to steal from you? What's the secret to your success? Hmm. Man, if I knew I'd bottle it up. And <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I mean, I think, um, especially, you know, whether you're going to be an entrepreneur and run a business, whether you're, whether you're going to be an account executive and, and focus on field sales, um, I think, one, customers are way more prepared today than they were even 10 years ago. Um, and so they've done a tremendous amount of research, right? So the, the old days of, you know, and I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but being the car sales guy, right? Or the used car sales guy. Yeah. Yes. Nobody gets away with that any longer. Um, yeah. I think. I think you know whether you follow the, the the medic sales methodology or Sandler or you know any of these guys, which are, they're all good. Um, the ability to create something they call equal business stature early on, whether you know whether you're running your business and dealing with customers, whether you're an account exec selling to customers, if you can establish this 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 equal level of rapport where it's not customer pushing you around pushing you around driving your price down and, wow. until they think they have a deal or i got somebody at the door right <laughs> um, if that that is a skill i think that it would be helpful for anyone um whether they're running a business or selling um so that that's one because if you can create that equal business stature you really get off to a good start and, and, and as far as mutual trust and respect, though, as opposed to I'm the customer, you're the vendor, I'm going to beat on you until I think we're done. <laughs> That's one. Um, and I think, um, two, uh, because the customers are, are more prepared, right? You don't have the, you don't have the ability to walk in with a shiny new toy and, and be that consultative seller, like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, where you're bringing new ideas. They know it already, right? They have. The people you're selling to, at least in my industry, the people I'm selling to, 
they know way more about this stuff and how to use it than I ever will. Really? So, so, because I'm not an application developer, but I do have the platforms that they want to use, right? And I have, and I have the benefits in my solution that they want to take advantage of. So I can help them get there. I can help them build the business case for it. I can help them try to go find budget, right? And make sure we got all the people aligned internally, politically. But, but as far as walking in with the shiny new toy and, you know, wowing them, they, they've already done their research, right? Right. So it's, you know, part of it is having the, 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 the confidence and the skill set and the, the training to, to actually meet them as quote unquote equals or, or in rapport. So, so, and, and, and not getting commoditized, right? Like, I think that's a, that's a huge piece that you're really, yeah, yeah. And and, and, uh, and and again, I think that's that's a lot of times I, I find Brian. And again, I'm not I'm not doing what you do, and I'm not dealing with the level of expertise that you're dealing with. Like the you know again, these people running these you know and your counterparts, quote unquote, are really seriously um, smart and you know highly skilled. So yeah. it's to me one of the real keys is just confidence to say, you know, look, we're just not going to get commoditized here. It's kind of a state of mind. Would that, would that be an accurate, uh, accurate way of looking at it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the day that, uh, you know, things get commoditized, right, is that's when you just look for the company that has the best cost on a product and the best sourcing strategy, then you'll win, <laughs> right? Luckily, I don't need to rely on that yet. Yeah, no, and 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 certainly when when we're when we're doing that, you know, for our young leaders listening, you know, we're not we're we're not getting you know highly compensated as 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 high end sales reps either, right? When we're just getting commoditized, yeah, you know, and I will anyone tell you, can drop you drop your price. True, I, I will tell you a funny story about dropping price though. Uh, so in my right. territory, we had the you know that yellow company that paints houses. <laughs> I don't know. Oh yes, yes, I around, do right? know those people. Okay, yeah. So so there was a guy in my territory, and he had a yellow van. And, you know, with his logo on it and he would drive around and, and anytime I would see him going into a house, to do an estimate, you know, this would be after, you know, after five, six PM, right. I would just park around the corner and I would wait. And then when he drove off, I'd pull, I'd pull up a knock on the door. I'd say, Hey, uh, I heard you may be looking for a paint job. And right. I would do the estimate. I would price it at cost plus 50 bucks. Right to make to make sure I got that job, so he didn't, um, and right. he ended up closing up his business probably by the end of June. <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was kind of fun. So there are good times to drop your price when it's strategic, uh, especially right. if you try right. to put a competitor out of business. Uh, but but usually no, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't get into those competitive commodity type battles situations. Well, that's great. Well, so so Brian, last question. Um, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? Leader of tomorrow. Um, probably the same thing we've been talking about on this call today. Um, I think I think leaders have to, you know, they have to exude confidence. Um, and in fact, there's an expression um, that, that I've heard and I try to, to keep it in the back of my mind all the time. Uh, confidence without arrogance. I don't know if you've heard people say that before. Okay, like that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know. As as you're growing up, right, and, and we talked about doing things outside of your comfort zone, right, and all this experience and success you gain, they're they're tucked back in your mind somewhere, back in your head, and you can go back there anytime you want, right, and boost your confidence. When you have 
like I mentioned, you know, the sales presentation coming up, an interview coming up. You just go back there and you go, yeah, I did this before. I can do this. This is a, this is a done deal. And and so, you know, when, when things may not be going your way either, right, you're losing a few sales deals. You know, go back, you go back to your past successes and you keep yourself fueled up. Um, and I think, you know, one of my earliest successful experiences was student works, right? And and I and I used that time and time again over, especially over the first 10 or 15 years of my career, saying, yeah, I've done this before. This is not that different, right? So yeah, I had I had the experience, but it, it gave me the confidence, right? And to do something more when I needed. Um, I love, you know, working for people who are confident, who are and, and who are not arrogant. Um, you know, they yes. know their stuff, right? They know their abilities. They've got experience, uh, and they inspire people without being arrogant. Um, and and you know, and if and I think, you know, leaders of tomorrow right you know th- these are the the young men and women who are on this call right now because I'll, I'll tell you if you're on this podcast right now listening you already stand out from your peers um if you jump in you know to something like student work so something entrepreneurial you, you're already you know way past i would say the top 80 90 percent or sorry top 10 percent uh, of the people of your age i mean so so build that confidence, you know, try not to be too arrogant, right? Because <laughs> unfortunately with money, I've seen it comes arrogance <laughs> with some people uh, and I strive never to do that. Uh, but but yes. definitely um, build your confidence, get the experiences under your belt as quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, I just love so much what you have to share there, Brian. I, I again, I love your confidence without arrogance, and and uh, it's just a you know, arrogance is a really really bad spot. Um, and and a lot of times as well, it's really hiding a a a, a, a feeling that they're not good enough. Just because why do they need to be arrogant? You know. So so just a, a quiet confidence, assuredness, um, and and I love as well pointing out to our young leaders that hey, if you're spending the time to listen to a podcast like this, listen to sort of, hey, what does it take to become a really great leader? Then, hey, you're on your way. You know, you're on your way to, to learning and growing and developing and and certainly as well, obviously, stepping in and, and taking on a role like this in your life. Uh, it, it, you know, something with the Student Works Management Program, that that's really huge too. But uh, But even just, again, listening and being involved and learning is just so huge. So, uh, so Brian, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. I know you've been busy as a, as stink with, uh, with career and family and just ran back from the gym to sort of make this happen and, uh, working at night, uh, to, 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 to make this contribution to our young leaders. Again, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I just, it's been great to talk to you again. And, 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 you know, anytime I can get involved with student works, just give me another call. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Brian. You have thank an you, awesome day. Thank you. You too. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested 
visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.